4: Hello football friends, it's the return of the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from Talksport, with me, Sam Matterface, Alex Crook and the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis. Game Day brings you three big games on Saturday including Manchester United versus Chelsea. Check this out, the Blues bring in big Pete to cover for Kepa as Oli steadies United's wheel after readjusting their axle. Will there be a hammering at the London Stadium as Manchester City return to their favourite place to visit? Liverpool start life without Superman, and after a week where everyone has been talking about their sins in the Merseyside derby, Everton head to Saints. Plus, the Roy Hodgson derby and the rest of the previews, with all the messing around without actually really having an impact of PSG's number 10, the Game Day preview podcast from Talksport. This is Game Day. Well a good week in the Champions League Um, and with me to look ahead to the return of the Premier League a Darren Lewis from the Mirror who promised to come armed with the correct pronunciation for West Ham's Big Bad Vlad. Have you got it for me?
3: Yes I have, it's Koufal. Koufal, sensational. Did you actually ask him? Yeah that might be an idea actually although what he might do is give you the FIFA pronunciation which I know it's the correct pronunciation but I just can't... bring myself because there are a couple of very very good commentators on FIFA who give you the correct pronunciation for players like sorry sorry sorry
4: is your your research for finding this out for me going on FIFA
3: no 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 I'm saying that he may give you the pronounce that the really correct pronunciation okay which is use all through the season Cool file. Cool file. All
4: right, okay. All right, fine. Just as long as we know. That's great. Um, okay, and the, the man who said that he thought the Merseyside derby would be nil-nil, it's talk sport transfer guru Alex Crook. You right? <laughs> I said there was a chance.
5: Not one of my best
4: predictions of the season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think of Champions League? I, mean, I thought Manchester United played very well in Paris. Uh, Liverpool were a little bit lucky. Uh, Pep once again conceding before eventually turning on the star going forward, but they're missing Fernandinho. That's going to be a big miss, Darren, isn't it?
3: Yeah, they are, uh, because he's so versatile. He's so disciplined. He is a player, even though he's getting on in years, You can, we all know that Guardiola thinks a hell of a lot of him because of what he can do in his team. So they're going to have to find a way to cope without him uh, against a West Ham side that have really defied all the odds. Mm. um yeah because when people looked and i remember doing this show ahead of this run of fixtures and everyone thought that they'd get ripped apart and i think there is nobody listening to this right now who would disagree with that everybody looked at that run of fixtures on paper yeah and thought that they would end up in the the bottom three by the end of it.
4: To be fair, they look like a team that would be in the bottom three up until 81 minutes of that game against Tottenham Hotspur, Uh, but we'll get to West Ham in just a second because they form part of a big game day weekend with three massive games including the Red Devils looking for a repeat of their Blue Murder. Rashford
3: Rashford shoots towards the far corner
2: and in! Oh, it's a brilliant finish from Marcus Rashford! Absolutely brilliant.
1: We have had a couple of bad games so far in the league, but we're getting better and better. And
2: it's fired low through
4: the crowd and Tammy Abraham will turn in the equaliser.
5: Of
1: course we want to concede less. It'll
5: always be something we work on as much as we do our attacking play.
4: No one does football like we do football. Manchester United versus Chelsea, a European Cup final from 2008, rerun, tight and tactical or a one-sided affair like the game between these two on the opening day of last season. where well, it wasn't actually one-sided, but anyway. Uh, three goals or more in each of the last three meetings between the two. I've got a feeling this might go the other way. Low scoring. What do we reckon? Crook? Ah, oh,
5: the matter-faced Crook derby. Um, I, I've given up trying to predict Manchester United, to be honest. I didn't fancy them against Newcastle. I actually did, in a strange sort of way, against Paris Saint-Germain, even when I saw the team and... We had a message in our private WhatsApp group with a United pal of ours saying, look at that defence. And I did say I'm going to keep my own counsel because I just had a, a nagging suspicion that, that maybe PSG aren't perhaps the force that their front line suggests. And it was a tactical masterclass from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You have to give credit where it's due. What does he do this weekend? I mean, how do you leave out Axel and after that performance
4: in the French capital for a start? Low scoring? Not with those two defences, surely. I thought Manchester United were absolutely superb in Paris. I did that game for Talksport with Andy Townsend. And and from Manchester United's perspective, we do talk about so much about the need for a centre-half. And and the solution to all our problems is always, let's go and buy someone who's really expensive and, and put him into the team. But ultimately, this is a kid who hasn't played for 10 months. He was well thought of under Jose Mourinho. He's hardly had any football. He came into the team and he was brilliant he was absolutely brilliant his positioning was excellent his reading of the game was good he's athletic he can get back he, he I mean this is a team with Neymar and Mbappe in it and they restricted them to one goal it's got to be pretty impressive and by the way that goal came from Anthony Martial so I mean is there any chance Darren that he could establish himself as possibly a partner for Lindelof or or Maguire?
3: It's interesting isn't it Manchester United have form for finding players In adversity. I remember Marcus Rashford against Mittelland when they had loads of injuries and somebody needed to step up. And he did. And he's never looked back since then. And I think Touan Zabi could well be a player. Listen, we did know about him beforehand, but he hadn't matured in quite the same way that he has now. And that performance was one that suggested to me that yes, he could well be one. That stays in the side because of his mobility, his awareness, uh, his speed of thought as much as anything else, and his pace. And I think as far as United are concerned, what they need, you made the point about the performance against PSG, and both of you you know, well done and everything, but that's gone. And the problem with Manchester United is they are a team you simply cannot trust. Mm-hmm. So they can pull off a, a fantastic result like that one in Paris, and then they could go and lose at the weekend and stink the place out. What they need to do, what Oli needs to do, is put together a run of five to ten games. I'm not going to suddenly go completely the other way like I've seen on social media. Mm. Oh, all those One in the eye for all those people who said Solskjaer can't coach. It was brilliant in Paris last time, and then they fell away. What he needs to do is put together a run.
5: This is the type of fixture that suits Oli and Solskjaer, isn't it? Because United tend to play better and get better results against the better teams. I also think it's a bit of a test of how far Frank Lampard has come since the start of last season because United and Solskjaer did seem to have the sign over his Chelsea last year. I know in the FA Cup semi-final, it was different, but Solskjaer overthought his tactics there, didn't pick the right team, didn't pick the right system. But in the two Premier League well, games, didn't they, really? Yeah, and, and in the League Cup game, um, certainly United had the edge. So I, I wonder, will that be in Frank Lampard's thinking? Will this be a, a game where he knows that In some ways, he's seeking redemption for what happened on the opening day last season.
3: I think if you take out Silva and you take out uh, Mendy, as was the case against Southampton where they were awful, then they've got no chance. If you put those two players in, they are secure, they're disciplined, and they are a side I think that can take on and beat any side in the Premier League. I've got no compunction about going for Chelsea for this one.
4: Well, Chelsea are a work in progress. Uh, I noticed that they're so desperate to, uh, to never have to use Kepper again, that they registered a bloke who's been retired for 18 months in their mm. Premier League squad just in case. Uh, but it's, it's more than that. It's a tactical framework, isn't it, uh, with Chelsea? It's the protection that's given from the midfield. It's the It's the discipline by the forwards not to give sloppy balls away when you're high up the pitch and therefore exposing what is already a fragile defence. There was a couple of chances that Sevilla had during that game on, on Tuesday night which on any other given day probably would have gone in. Mendy made an absolutely fantastic save which I think has gone under the radar because he's going one way his body's moving to the right but the ball takes a deflection and goes to his left and he's got a huge huge palm on the ball and he's managed to swat the ball high into the air and get it away which is important but he's been a bit lucky too he, you know he, he's come for things and moved in certain areas where you know if it was Kepa in there it would have flown in the net because that's just the guy's luck um, but look they've, they've got to go out and they've got to start winning games because they've spent so much money on their attacking talent they've got to start justifying that they can't keep just sort of you know having one good day one bad day and then scoring three goals and then three in at the because other sand.
3: end But Sam, they've been incredibly unlucky with injuries because I think if Mendy was fit, they'd have won that game last Saturday 5 or 6-0. I was at Palace last year where Chelsea went two up, Kepa lets one in, and then suddenly that uncertainty transmits itself to the rest of the side. And I think that's what Kepa does when he plays. I think that's what Christensen does when he plays too. And I think when I, I was actually really... I thought and I'm probably in a minority of one, but at the result against Sevilla, I thought was a very, very significant result because I think that's put calm back into the camp. I think that there is no longer that uncertainty. We've got a hell of a long way to go and people are saying that whether they, they will or won't win the Champions oh, it's League. far too it's early. Lunacy. Far too but early. bottom line is they needed to calm things down yeah. and those guys provide that security. Kepa concedes that goal you're talking about.
4: Uh, if All know, day almost, long. Well, it was a shot then, on target. Of course he would
3: have done And then there are shambles. But those sloppy errors in midfield and in other areas of the pitch come about because the protection isn't there at the back. The security isn't there. Yeah. If Mendy plays, they'll be fine.
4: I think Conte needs to play as a holding midfield player and give the man the job who statistically makes the task calls that uh, that other players don't. Play Pulisic on the left-hand side. He's not a right-sided player. Keep it simple. And if that upsets one or two, I'm sorry, that's just management. That's the, w- the way it is. And... Um, by the way, has anyone heard from Mason Greenwood? Um, I mean, he's got timekeeping skills of Darren Lewis, apparently. <laughs> I, I think this needs to be a watershed moment, doesn't it, for, for Mason Greenwood? If, if it is true
5: um, that the reason that he has not been in the team of late is because of bad timekeeping, that's unforgivable, really. You know, this is a a kid who's been given a massive opportunity at one of the biggest football clubs in Europe. He's obviously made the high-profile mistake when he was. Uh, England, you, you would think he would be desperate to redeem himself, keep his nose clean and and get back at his manager's good books, not just at club level, but in the eyes of Gareth Southgate as well. I mean, you have to wonder if he's picking up the papers this morning, what will he be thinking when it comes to picking a squad for the next round of internationals? So somebody there, and this is where it comes down to leadership and, and character in the dressing room. Someone needs to get hold of Mason Greenwood, give him a shake and say, come on, dad, you know, you, you are messing about with your career here. I mean, can you imagine if Roy Keane was still in that dressing room? how he would react to a situation like this.
3: Yeah, I I almost wonder if we have to be careful not to be old men about this, you know, because, the, 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 and I only say that, I, listen, I was laughing before, but it clearly is no laughing matter. And you make important points there, to be fair. Uh, but I just think that there are, I, I see lots of examples of players who early in their careers don't quite get it. You know, we rave about Frank Lampard and what a consummate professional he is. I remember Frank Lampard on his summer holidays with Rio Ferdinand and a couple of the boys Mm. doing a few bits and pieces. And his his dad famously joking about wanting to see his holiday snaps in a press conference afterwards. You know, I remember some things that went on in the early days involving some celebrated players in our industry. So and, and they managed to put them, put it behind them and move on. Well, that's the and key, the isn't mag- it? And
4: that's what I think what the crook is saying. It's got to be a watershed moment now. That's it yeah. now. You've had, you've, yeah. had, you've had a couple of free hits. Now it's time to crack on and, and concentrate on your career because you can, you can go one of two ways here, can't you? You can either go on and be Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, Rio Ferdinand, or you can become Ravel Morrison.
3: Yeah, but you won't become Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, or Rio Ferdinand if you are crushed by the unforgiving weight of social media, podcasts, press you know we we, totally. we all go as though we are detached but we have a part to play in the development of these players because we need to understand that people make mistakes um and i, I think just as last week i was saying you know maguire needs understanding rather than being mulled. I I think this is a young boy who clearly is, Crook's absolutely right, he's making mistakes. I agree even with you, Sam, he is making mistakes. But what we probably need is to give him understanding rather than to kill him uh, and then make make things even more
0: difficult for him. Hold that please, level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns.
1: Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi.
0: Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Bypassal Rise plug sale.
1: The most important thing is what? Sorry.
0: The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelised bingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine.
1: Uh yeah, that sounds important.
2: Does work all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.
3: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18, plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Comes out to Lanzani! Oh! It's an equaliser, it's stoppage time for West Ham United. We don't need any recognition because we've got a big job to do, we know that, but I think we're improving and I think we're getting better. The chance for Sterling
5: and Manchester City have taken the
2: lead. If they want to be in for a chance of winning the Premier League this year, I feel Manchester City need to win this game. We are still a little bit away from what we have to do.
4: Let's turn our attention to West Ham versus Manchester City at 12.30 live on TalkSport on Saturday. And the Hammers became history makers on Sunday when they sent Mourinho into meltdown. Now they have to raise themselves again. But Darren, they're getting used to that, aren't they? Because this is a team that did the double over Chelsea last year. Four points from Manchester United last year. They've already beaten Leicester this season. But
3: City should be way too strong, shouldn't they? They should be. They've got the quality. I look at West Ham... And I see a belief in West Ham that people didn't think they had. And they've got a defensive strength about them. And even when that defence does have an off day, as they did against Spurs, they find a way to come back. And I think this could be a special season for West Ham.
0: Mm, I Vlad I've Kufau, he
4: gives that grit, that determination, that still, that thrust. Um, they're showing personality as well, aren't they? Uh, but this is over and above a normal opponent. Manchester City have won every trip to the London Stadium crook, scoring 22 goals in the process. Are we about to see the uh, goals flow again? You
5: it's not an ordinary opponent, and obviously they do have sprinklings of stardust in, in De Bruyne and, and Sterling and Aguero. But are we judging Manchester City on their previous high standards or on the Manchester City that we've seen this season? Because I've watched a lot of that game against Porto. In midweek, albeit I had the Bournemouth-Cardiff game on the main screen, I knew my priorities. But it looked like a scratchy performance again from Pep Guardiola's side against a far-from-vintage Porto team. I feel like he's still, with the new signings, trying to work out exactly what his best team is this season. Um, I don't think they're necessarily creating the plethora of attacking chances that they have Um, under their old guys so I don't know if this is as intimidating a prospect as it would have been in previous years
3: yeah I agree I I don't think given the results that they've had against Spurs they've had against Leicester they've had against uh, Wolves as well I think West Ham now look at this and think what have we got to be afraid of there is nothing to be afraid of here they're coming to our place in fact around about this time last year I watched as West Ham beat Manchester United when a lot of people expected United to win they've got a confidence about them now and a work ethic and it was interesting did you see Jose Mourinho said that in uh, Suchek in midfield Moyes has found his new Fellaini and he's right he's good in the air defensively strong gives that protection for the back four but can get forward as well I like him as a player I think West Ham are going to do well he's
4: a great player I tell you what though they should be frightened of Raheem Sterling playing well he has been involved in each of City's last five goals and with injuries and troubles elsewhere, he, he, he really is a fantastic asset. He's very rarely injured. He plays in most games. England certainly missed him during the international break just gone. And he got a hat-trick at the London Stadium last season. I was there on the opening day of the campaign and he was magnificent in that match. Right, will we get our first look at Saeed Rama?
5: Um, I think he'll be in the squad. Um, I would be surprised if he was in the starting lineup. I think um, you know certainly going forward it will be difficult for Dave Moyes to take anybody out of that West Ham team at the moment. I'm keen to go back to Darren's point actually about it being a special season for West Ham. What would constitute a special season as far as West Ham are concerned? Is it getting the odd result uh, against one of the big boys or do you think that they could genuinely mount a European challenge which a couple of weeks ago would have seemed highly unlikely?
3: I think they could um, push into the top six. I think maybe top eight at the very least. In Antonio, they've got a guy who can hold the ball up superbly, bring other people into the plays, very intelligent with the way that he leads the line. And he sets a standard too for Sebastian Haller, who has been doing well in the cup competitions, even though he's had limited minutes. I think that the first 11 have set a standard to the other players around them. And so, yeah, I think that outside of this run of fixtures, which are very difficult the real test it will be when they come up against sides of similar ability if you like uh, and, and if they can do well in those games then yeah I think and remember they did it remember when Payet was there and Payet they, they were nudging the Champions League places for goodness sake and they had some really bad decisions in that season that went against them but And they ended up finishing out of those places. But there's no reason why they couldn't finish in the top six, seven this we, season.
4: We get so excited about teams finishing in the top six and blah, 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 blah. But if you go back through the history of the Premier League, and I went, I did it yesterday. I, I, this is how sad I am. I wrote down the top, <laughs> the top four uh, for the, from the last 10 seasons. And there's seven teams that have managed to get into that. And six of them have done it consistently and one team had to win the league to break into it so the top six always make up the top four and it's very rare that anybody else creeps into that into that zone you get the odd one here and there but it really is especially the top four the preserve of those top six right let's move on
3: when did did it last happen I was saying about West Ham last happened in 2015 so by that law of averages I mean I agree getting into the top six they were were flirting with the top four in 2015 that's what I'm saying but they didn't make it did they they didn't make it, but I'm saying they'll be thereabouts. I'm not saying they're going to make the top they're four. They're
4: not going to get out. in the top four. Come Absolutely on, Darren. Not the
3: top four. I'm not saying they're going to get in the top four, but I'm saying a special season for West Ham is certainly one where they're looking around about the top six, seven. All
4: right. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, let's move behind the paywall. Uh, the next section will cost you 500 bitcoins, uh, but the production will be basic. Please pay. Low cross into the centre, Sadio Mane is there, six yards out to slam Liverpool in front. I think there was a collision between Jordan Pickford and Virgil van Dijk. Why should I think
3: that the boys cannot deal with with the situation?
2: Billy Sharp, right foot, it smashes it into the net and Sheffield United are back on level terms at Bramall Lane.
1: I understand the quality of the opposition and the ruthlessness of the Premier League but it's not been a good start by us. Luckily, Liverpool
4: versus Sheffield United, 8pm on Saturday, is live and free on Talk Sport. Uh, and life without Virgil van Dijk started in midweek in Amsterdam. And as we thought would happen, um, Jürgen Klopp very quickly redeployed Fabinho into the back four.
5: Yeah, apparently he's challenged him to be more like Virgil van Dijk, which is a massive ask, isn't it, um, for someone who who spent... The bulk of his career playing defensive midfield. But it was the obvious change to make, I think. Um They still gave away chances um, against another talented young Ajax side. I think that would be a bit of a concern if they were playing anybody other um, than Sheffield United because I did their game against Fulham last weekend for TalkSport International. They were very powder puff in that game. Ollie McBurney just doesn't look like he's going to score goals in the Premier League, nor is McGoldrick. I, I guess the uh, the question there is can Brian Brewster uh, make an impact against his former club that's an interesting narrative but even without Virgil van Dijk I think Liverpool will have enough to to swat Sheffield United aside at the start of what I think is going to be a very difficult season for Chris Wilder's men
4: um I think that Liverpool may well have to start doing what maybe they did in the first few years of the Klopp era and outscoring teams because they can't keep clean sheets uh Darren but he said in an interview going into these Champions League games that, I mean, it was quite spiky actually in the press conference, wasn't he? Blaming the media for, for, for having a... I, I, well, I'm not sure what he was blaming the media for. I think he was blaming the media for writing off their title chances just because they'd lost Virgil van Dijk. Um, but ultimately, without Virgil van Dijk, it is going to be incredibly difficult because even with him, they were conceding goals, right?
3: Yeah, I think... Uh... Considered quite a high number even before he had uh, disappeared. So
4: 27 in, uh, I think, uh, 14 minutes. games, 15 games, something like
3: that. Oh, well, 15 minutes. Yeah, but, I mean, it was a very high number. And I think, um, relatively speaking, for... For Liverpool. Um, the press conference, first of all, it was asked... Uh, uh, listen, we're all journalists and we all go into press conferences and ask questions that afterwards we might think to ourselves we could have worded that better. So I'd never be one to criticise anybody else's question. Uh, He had taken umbrage at the idea, like you say, that they were finished. They're far from finished because they've got a fantastic forward line. What I think he might do against the better side is set up in a way that provides protection for that defence. Because although Fabinho can do a capable job as you say, they, they gave a very limited Ajax side some chances and against some of the better sides in the Premier League they'll get punished, so I think they'll try to protect as much as they can that back four uh, with the players they have in the middle, they have to put in a real shift, but I still think Liverpool are in with a shout, I just think that it is still wide open and they now have as good a chance as anybody else whereas before, for the reasons we all know, we would know what the numbers say Van Dijk was brilliant in the last what? three seasons, two seasons, whatever it is, since he arrived. Yeah, I, I, I think that they're still in it, but they've now just got as good a chance as anybody else. And
4: obviously, things go against you as football managers and football clubs, and it, it, it's never plain sailing. And ultimately, even if you are the best team in the country, which Liverpool have certainly been for, for a little while now, um, someone's going to come along and, and do a Jordan pitchfork and, and take one of your best players out. But, the way you deal with it is really important, and the 1st it's the first time really I've seen Klopp go a little bit spiky because things haven't gone his way. Sometimes he can react to a, to a question or whatever, especially if Crook's asking it, um, but um, he's usually quite sort of a, a happy-go-lucky, effervescent character. That certainly wasn't the case, not only in the straight aftermath of Saturday's game, but... It continued for a few days, and in the end, I thought, "Okay, this is going a little bit too much now. You need to sort of move on and crack on. Otherwise, it's good. you know, you know what players are like; they'll use it as an excuse."
5: Yeah, I agree. If I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be slightly worried by not just the manager's reaction, but the fact that Gigi Ryannaldam, in the build-up to a big Champions League game in his pre-match press conference, was still harping back to the incident involving Pickford and and Van Dijk. It's done now. It's happened. All teams suffer injuries. Uh, okay, it wasn't a great challenge from. Jordan Pickford. I'm not sure he necessarily deserves the vilification that has come his way um, from certain sections of the Liverpool fan base since that, but probably for another podcast. But they need to move on. They need to draw a line under it. They are the defending champions. Um, They have a squad that would be the envy of most of the Premier League. So they need to find a way now to succeed in adversity.
3: Um, I've got to just say, I I had a huge row with somebody in my WhatsApp group about this as well. I, I just can't buy that he's not just another player. He's one of the greatest players we've had, probably, I would argue, greatest defenders in Premier League history. Uh, not the great, we have had some great defenders, as we all know, but he's one of the greatest defenders that we've ever had and one of the best players in the world. You can't just move on when you lose What him. do you do, Mo? Well, you, you, listen, everything has a grieving process, don't you? You're upset, I'd be upset. You know, if, I, if, if we were without any one of you... for this and and for reasons that were avoidable you know it's probably not a great analogy but you know the point I'm trying to make you know you you work with someone every day you recognize their quality you see their contribution to the team and then you see that they are uh, you're without them because of something that's utterly avoidable and the person involved the person who caused that doesn't receive any sanction by the people who run the game of course you'll be upset about that and I think they should be allowed to be upset about that I do not buy into this idea one iota that they should just forget about it and move on it doesn't work that way
4: Uh, I think it's probably uh, the case at Chelsea that they've been grieving for the last 12 months because Kepa has been on the team sheet Um, Sander (laughs) Burge is slowly showing signs of why the uh, Blades bought him in January he started to uh, get to grips physically with the game after struggling to do that and actually speaking to Kai Havertz he told me recently that you know we underestimate the transition from a european league or even the bundesliga he was talking about the bundesliga but the the transition from a european league to the premier league is is difficult because it is so much more physical and intense in this country and i think Burge actually will start to have an impact now he comes from very good stock in that he, he came through that genk academy which has produced such a plethora of great talents over the last few years and uh you know I think it'll be a. I, th- I think eventually he'll find his feet. I mean, the, the quote from him yesterday was brilliant. He said, "In a game in Belgium, there are times when you can actually take a rest." Well, in this country, you certainly can't do that. And I suppose none more than against uh, Liverpool at the weekend. It's a big game for Chris Wilder. After finally putting a point on the board, they take on Liverpool on Saturday night at eight o'clock. Friday night behind the paywall is Aston Villa against Leeds United. And three clean sheets in four for Villa. And they are built on a defensive bedrock, aren't they? But that will be put to the test by Leeds, who don't give you a moment's peace. They didn't score on Monday night against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, but they had more than a few chances, Crook.
5: Yeah, they played well for the first half. Um, didn't manage to match the intensity in the second half, which would probably be a, a cause for concern for Bielsa. But Aston Villa keep going from strength to strength, don't they? And, and I don't think anybody was surprised by the fact they managed to go to Leicester and, and and come away with that late last gas victory. And that probably is a mark of the progress they've made um, under Dean Smith. I have to say, I'm really enjoying watching Ross Barkley at, at the moment. He seems to be flourishing in that Aston Villa team. We had a bizarre um, rant, even by his standards, from Adrian Durham, saying that Jack Grealish is a problem for Aston Villa and stops them playing. I'm, I'm not too sure where he was coming from there because those two, for me, uh, seem to have already formed a pretty telepathic understanding. Ollie Watkins is a good foil up front. Martinez, the goalkeeper, oh. almost gone unnoticed. Three clean sheets in four games. So big saves in those four matches yeah. as well. Um, I was with um, a former Arsenal player who knows a fair bit about goalkeeping a few days ago. And he said to me that he'd actually told Arsenal, if you sell Martinez, you're selling the wrong goalkeeper. He, he was convinced that Which he should Which one was that, David on- Seaman
4: or Bob Wilson? Because we know you've been hobnobbing with all of these ex-Arsenal <laughs> legends. Which one was it? Uh, let's just say it was one of the two. Why um, do and- you just tell us? Why, why, why can't
3: you tell us? Alex, I always protect my sources, <laughs>
4: you, can't say, you can't say that, and then but, but put pictures of them on social media. It, it was Bob Wilson, who, who is a right. big
5: fan of, of, of Martinez, not just for the saves that he makes. He actually said that, you know, when it comes to shot-stopping Leno, he's probably on par. Yeah. It's more the way that Martinez commands the penalty area and is a bit of a, a throwback goalkeeper and that he isn't afraid to put his body on the line and, and, and punch anything that
4: comes his way. I'm reading a book like, at the moment about a journalist who goes to jail for protecting his sources. That certainly wouldn't be crook, would it, Darren? It'd be straight gonna out say, there. Judge? Alex,
3: Judge, e. you may fold under questioning.
4: <laughs> this is his name. Yeah, go and get him. Yeah, no, there's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. He wouldn't even protect his ketchup, let alone any other source. Um, <laughs> There are still more uh, away wins than home wins in this league so far this season. Um, Could Leeds be the first to dent Aston Villa's 100% record, Darren?
3: No, not. I I think Villa, again, they're another side where the clean sheets for me are probably as vital as the win uh, because last season they couldn't defend at all. And this season, there's a lot more discipline about them. There's a lot more quality in the side, in front of the defenders, but also in that defence um, and in goal. It's So we underestimate the value of a goalkeeper who knows what he's doing. Some people don't. Because, well, no, indeed, not you Chelsea fans. But, you know, you look at Emmy Martinez. Listen, Reyna wasn't that bad, but clearly he's getting on in years. Martinez did the authority, the command he has. um, the alertness the focus and he just transmits itself to that back four he organizes them so well and i think for villa the clean sheets as i say are an indication of the direction that they're going in i don't think Leeds are going to go there and win i saw them lose to aston villa the other day i think that on occasion leads can be too enterprising they entertain absolutely But sometimes you've got to keep it a little bit tighter than they did against Wolves. And I think that the way that Aston Villa play, I think they'll find some chinks in that defensive armour.
4: And it's all to do with um, Lazio. It's all to do with Lazio. Uh, During lockdown period, they realised that they were defending poorly. So they watched videos of Lazio and how they defend. And then choreographed their defensive movements and pattern of play by uh, almost uh, copying what, what that defence did and, and they've come out and they've done a fantastic job and this is not a record actually that started this season this is a record that goes back into the end of last season if you go back in their last eight games they've only conceded in three of them fantastic and two and two of the goals that they've conceded out of the four that they've conceded in that period came against Liverpool in that 7-2 so it's obviously, it's obviously part of their culture now so well done to Dean Smith and to John Terry uh, for for putting that right OK it's time for the Roulette Rivalry What a massive day it is as far as football is concerned. Blockbuster Saturday on Talk Sport. And
5: West Ham lead with their first serious attack. And it's Mikel Antonio. The chance for Sterling at Manchester
2: City
0: have taken the lead. Raheem Sterling midway through the first half. Oh, outstanding finish from Marcus Rashford. And Manchester United cutting loose here.
1: Werner comes forward and Havertz with a tap in. And Chelsea lead again. Comes back to Salah,
4: who shoots on the volley after a block clearance from Mina. And he scores his 100th Liverpool goal. McGoldrick reacts and smashes the ball home. And all three points are going to Sheffield United now lucy our esteemed producer is here to navigate our way through three fixtures we haven't touched on yet in roulette rivalry yes lucy how are you okay
1: yeah i'm good sir
4: lucy i'm pleased that you could make it because i understand that um from now on you're going to have uh, more commitments aren't you haven't you got a haven't you got a, a new a new puppy or you're getting a new puppy
1: yeah, I'm picking up a new puppy in uh, five weeks.
4: Oh, right, okay.
1: Already s- decided on a name as well.
4: So That was quick. You Rookie? haven't got it. But what if, it, what if you look at it and it, it doesn't look like the name that you've chosen?
1: Well, I've already looked it. I've already held it. Have you? When I selected it, yeah. Oh, right.
4: She sent us a video of
5: her I sent it. you a
1: video, yeah. Shows how much you care, Sam.
5: You sent us a video, yeah. did you really?
1: <laughs> yeah.
5: It's not
4: much bigger than you, Sam. What, the puppy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can hold it in my hands, so it's about
4: similar, similar size. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but I've decided on the name.
4: Oh, go Teddy. On, Teddy. Oh, after Teddy, the Teddy. great,
1: after the great Teddy Sheringham because we're
3: When's
4: a family of Spurs you or... <laughs> So, are you, are, you, are, you, are you serious? You've named it after Teddy Sheringham? Um, unbelievable. Yeah,
1: well, basically what it was, is we, me and my mum wanted to call it Teddy, and then my dad wasn't uh, very convinced, And so then when we said, well, you know, do you think of Teddy Sheringham, he came around to the idea, so it was all confirmed
4: now. Is that slightly appropriate, seeing as Teddy in his day was a bit of a
1: dog? I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> um, unbelievable.
0: And they called it... Love. Oh I
1: guess they'll never know. Anyway, as
4: much as I've enjoyed the canine chat, um let's uh pick out three games of top pedigree.
1: Right, let's start with you, Darren.
4: Ooh. Oh, Ooh. he doesn't
1: and I'll usually give go you. first, is he? we well, have <coughs> got to mix it up sometimes, haven't you? Yeah.
3: He's
5: never here first, is he?
3: Oh, I was here before you
4: two <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> I was here before you two weeks ago. Well done. This is episode 27. Darren Mason Greenwood
3: Lewis. Where <laughs> wait. wait, wait, wait. Hang, on, hang, on, hang on. This is episode 27. Yeah, since you oh, joined yeah. us. Okay, I'm just saying that two weeks ago <laughs> I was here before you.
4: <laughs> Crack on.
1: Right, I'm going to give you Southampton v Everton. And your time starts...
3: Now. I can't see anything other than an Everton win in this game. The team are playing well, the strikers are playing well. Um okay, no Rashadison bad boy last weekend with that tackle against Tiago, but I think as far as Everton are concerned, Dominic Calvert Lewin just cannot stop scoring, and I can't see A very static Southampton side. I watched them last week play against uh, Chelsea. Timo Werner ripped them to shreds. I can see Dominic Calvert lewin doing the same thing. Eerily, they'll be okay. But on the deck, I think he'll have too many guns for them. And I think James Rodriguez will play his way through them. Everton all day long for me to get the three points and to stay at the top of the Premier League and to continue what has been an outstanding start to the season. Well
5: done. A little bit disrespectful to King Ralph, I
3: thought. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I saw... Listen, the Ennick Vestergaard looked like a piece of meat with eyes last weekend when um, Timo Werner went past him. It was just embarrassing. Rolled him, went away from him, slotted the ball in and Vestergaard was still wondering which way he'd gone.
4: A very big slab of meat. I mean, he's nearly but two metres tall. Uh, ne- what's next?
1: Right, let's go with you, Sam. Okay.
4: I'm
1: going to give you Wolves v Newcastle. Any time starts now. Um...
4: Okay, I don't understand, first of all, how this is the live Sunday offering, right? How is this on at 4.30 on a Sunday? Well, actually, maybe I do because what they want you to do is pay for Arsenal-Leicester at 7.15. And I, that, that in any other normal circumstances, that game would be the game that was on at 4 o'clock. For some reason, Wolves against Newcastle is on. Mm. Newcastle aren't a great team, but they aren't as bad as the anti-Steve Bruce brigade say but they're not as good as the, the the people that say that steve bruce is a genius they don't create that many chances they were well beaten last week uh, by manchester united and wolves who, who won't go at them like manchester united did will certainly create chances wolves Stop. himself he did really well there at talking for 40 seconds about a game other than the match that she gave
5: um, you
3: i thought so too he conf- confused me a bit there Look, is do a
4: Stewart's inquiry on that one? I was, I was asked to talk about Wolves-Newcastle and that was, that, that's the story for me.
3: Why are you talking about Arsenal-Leicester?
4: Because that's the story. you know. Why is that game not on on Sunday afternoon
3: when Wolves-Newcastle is? I think the stewards might need to take a look at that one. It's just like Crook
1: when he doesn't know what to say and he goes, we're looking forward to this one. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
4: oh yeah, well, let's give him his game because he certainly won't be able to use that... <laughs>
1: I'm going to give you Fulham v Crystal Palace. Any time starts
4: now. Yeah,
5: I'm not really looking forward to this one, I've got to be honest. <laughs> um, as Sam alluded to in the intro, this is that the Roy Hodgson derby. Hodgson obviously had a great time at Fulham, uh, took them to a European final. Um, it's safe to say that Fulham team was far more entertaining uh, than the Crystal Palace side that Roy Hodgson has assembled. The side that had one shot uh, to Brighton's 16 in their derby match last weekend. I'd like to see them be more ambitious here against a Fulham side we know League goals um, having said that I was really impressed with Adirabayo I thought that was an excellent debut for him in the game against Sheffield United preparing for my commentary notes for that game I had to use almost a whole page of A4 because Fulham have got so many players the trouble for Scott Parker is that not many of them are oh. any good
4: Ooh. well done for using a whole page of A4 that must have taken you ages well done Um, Hashtag prep. Right, let's get to Sunday. Arsenal versus Leicester is Sunday night at 7.15. Now, shall we pick up on the pay-per-view thing here? Because am I wrong? And I know you sort of took the mickey out of me in the last uh, part of the programme. But am I wrong in assuming that this game would normally have been picked for one of the broadcast slots? I mean, even if we're going for Monday night, it it, it trumps Tottenham-Burnley. It's better than Wolves Newcastle. It's probably better than Everton versus Southampton. I know Everton are top of the table. But are you telling me that out of the five games that were selected for broadcast this weekend, Arsenal Leicester wasn't one of them?
5: No, I think you're right. I think it's a very cynical ploy to get people to, to buy into pay per view. Um my wife and her dad are massive Arsenal fans and they'll be at my house on Sunday night. I've banned them from paying for it. Not not because I don't you know, I'm too tight to pay fifteen pounds, although that probably is a factor, but Out of protest, I've taken the editorial decision that even if United are on TV, as they were last weekend, I'm not paying £14.95. And I would implore all supporters who don't want this to become the norm to do the same because the more people that pay their £14.95, the more people that subscribe to pay-per-view, the more likely the TV companies are to adopt this model moving forward. I think it is an absolute disgrace that they're taking advantage of the situation where supporters can't go to games at a time when people up and down the country have got less disposable
4: income than ever before, it's an outrage. And I, I think there was a brilliant story that came out last week of the Manchester United fans uh, giving the £14.95 that they would have spent on the pay-per-view uh, to the local f- food bank and raised £23,000. So well done to all those who contributed uh, to that. Darren?
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favourite stories of the week. I know the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust uh, want to do something very similar uh, ahead of their game on, on pay-per-view as well. And uh, they whatever games they do play this season, I have to say, on pay-per-view. And I think football clubs should do that. We know that, uh, we're talking sport here, but just to make the point that we know there is a crisis, uh, people using food banks, kids not being fed, footballers fighting for that to change. And so if there is something that people feel they could do better with their money, mm. then good for them. I, I, I'm all for that.
4: Uh, The game itself, Leicester, two defeats in a row at home. They probably can't wait to get back on the road, Uh, but they're running into an Arsenal side that are unbeaten at the Emirates in 2020, Crook.
5: Yeah, you have to fear for Leicester um, a little bit because they seem to have lost their their creative spark in in their past couple of matches. Obviously, they've had injury problems. They've lost key personnel as well. Um, They started the season in expert fashion, but it looks like they're going to struggle to maintain that. Having said that, Arsenal themselves are going through a bit of a transitional period in, in terms, certainly, the form of Aubameyang. And I apply the same comments to Arteta that I applied to Guardiola. I think he's still trying to work out um, what his best team is. He's still trying to work out the Aubameyang Lacazette conundrum. For me, if you've got two players of that quality, you have to find a way to deploy them in the same team. It doesn't tend to play them together, certainly against the elite sides. Whether Leicester fits that category is is open to debate. And I think they might both start this weekend. And it will be a full Premier League debut, I would imagine, as well for Thomas Partey. So that's an extra dynamic for the Arsenal supporters.
4: Uh, Leicester lost Harry Maguire. Nobody really noticed. Uh, but they've quickly noticed the absence of Charla Soyonchu, Darren.
3: It, he's out for some time. And the thing is, even before his injury, Leicester don't seem to be the side that did so well to manoeuvre themselves into second in the table last season they've lost that dynamism that they had they, they just at the moment seem to have been a bit flat since the start of the season you can throw lots of numbers but it, it, there was just a general malaise I think about the team and I think they need something back without Vardy quite clearly we all know they lose the ability to get in behind and to trouble defences But I just think some of their other star players as well have yet to arrive at the party. I can't see anything in this game other than an Arsenal victory because I think defensively they were strapped even before the season. The Fafana pursuit became very protracted. um, And I I wonder if they would have wanted him in sooner than they managed to get him. I think as far as the team overall are are concerned, I just don't see it right now and I think it's going to be quite some time before we see the real Leicester turn up this season. Arsenal for me. That's you. It's not me. It's the official that's pronunciation you.
4: guide. That's Sa- you. samis 4 com
3: <laughs> A bit like that's the guy who... Andy Andy Goldstein asked him John, if he I was old enough you. to call up the sports bar and he got his mum on the phone and it was him pretending to do his mother's voice. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I've given you two different versions. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal have taken 29 points from the 33 that have been available at home. I think Arsenal will probably uh, get this one done as well. They won't pick William at false nine and maybe Aubameyang will get his first goal since he signed his new contract. You never know. Alex Crook... And uh, Darren Lewis, thank you very much. We'll be back with you when you wake up on Monday morning with a review of all the games in the post-match pod. And we'll look ahead to the two games on Monday night as Brighton take on West Brom and Burnley take on Tottenham. Thanks to Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. Please subscribe and rate on your pod provider.